0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Business Strategy. Today I want to talk about the most important part of your strategy, and that is your customer. And specifically, we're going to be talking about the ideal customer profile, also known as the ICP. Now, some people call it the perfect customer. That's what I've referred to it before in the past in my different workshops perfect customer ideal customer, dream customer, whatever you wanna call it, we are narrowing in on this ideal customer profile that your company is trying to serve with your products and services. Now look, everybody is trying to make progress in this world. That's what we do as human beings, we make progress. And while we're trying to make progress in life, we encounter obstacles and problems. Therefore, companies exist to help individuals continue with their progress by providing them with products and services that will help them to overcome such obstacles that get in the way. So, when it comes to building your strategy, you have to start with your ideal customer profile. You have to be very clear on who you're serving. Now, where most companies go wrong, this is a common stumbling block for people. They think crafting their ICP involves practices that were engaged in back in the 90s and early 2000s. And that involved taking demographics of a market subset and then calling that your ideal customer profile. That is not how you do it. So in other words, some organizations out there, when I talk to them about the ICP, I'll say, okay, show me your ICP, tell me who is the customer you're trying to serve. They'll start spitting out things that involve demographics or socioeconomics. For example, they'll say, we serve people between thirty and forty years old. They live in this geography. They have you know a house with a one and a half car garage. They drive this type of vehicle. They have one and a half cats or whatever it may be, and they're trying to define their customers based on attributes. I don't know about you, but I never went out and bought a product based on my attributes. It's not like I'm like oh I'm gonna go buy these Nike shoes because yeah you know I'm you know forty years old and. I fit that ideal customer profile. No, not at all. Instead, as customers, we buy based on our values. And that's what it's really all about. Values are comprised of four different parts. Needs, passions, circumstances, and motivations. This can be a whole nother episode on its own. But when it comes to client values, and you want to understand what your clients value, you can look at these things. So for example, needs. What type of progress are they trying to make? What are their goals and objectives? What are their expectations? In other words, what progress is your ideal customer trying to make by hiring you? What other products and services can also be hired to do the same job? So that's the essence of needs. Then we move on to passions. So passions make up client values. It's the second component. Passions involve things that customers love, things they hate, things that they're committed to. In other words, you have to ask yourself, what does your ideal customer love and hate about the products and services you're offering? So many companies are afraid to ask customers for feedback because they believe mistakenly that if they don't ask, they could just keep their head buried in the sand and they don't have to worry about it. But instead, that's your best feedback. With my platform called Boosting Your Financial IQ, I have this podcast, I host this podcast. I also have this platform that offers programs and other types of resources for people out there. I'm constantly asking my audience, what can I do to make this platform better? What do you love, what do you hate? And that's part of their passion. And uncovering this is really critical. When I was the CFO of a large construction company, we went to our top customers, these owners of these projects, and we asked them, what do you love about our company? And that was easy and that's great. You know, they'll say, oh, we love this, we love that, we love your responsiveness, we love your quality, we love how skilled your workforce is, we love your management, we love your communication, whatever it is, you know, and you get all excited and your ego gets all big and inflated for a minute. But then we took a step further and we said, what do you hate about doing business with us? And it's like, oh, it's, you know, it takes forever, your pre-construction phase, just to get an estimate was a pain in the butt. The process was very arduous. When we got it, it's super complicated to try to read. You know, we hate your follow-up process and how it takes you forever to finish this punch list and all these other things. And it's like, wow, that was the valuable information, their hates. Because then, if we understand what their hates are, we could build an operating model where invest in activities of the business so we can overcome those hates. So that's the second piece. So we have needs, passions, and then we have circumstances. So this involves their environment, their constraints, their pressures that they're dealing with. So you have to ask, what are the circumstances that shape the behavior of your ideal client? Then moving on, we have motivations. So there's emotional motivations, social, functional, all different types of motivations of our clients. If you ask what causes our ideal customer to purchase and use a particular product or service of ours, then you're gonna start to uncover what their true motivations are. So when you combine these four components, needs, passions, circumstances, and motivations into one at the intersection, if you drew like a Venn diagram, at the intersection of these four things, you'll find your client values. Now, it's all about your client's values. So many companies waste so much time trying to identify their own values, which is good. Like, I did that whole exercise, I identified my company's values and its principles, And you can find those on our website, which is helpful to understand, okay, do we have an alignment? Do our values align with yours if you're a customer? But too many companies focus so much time on their own values, on their mission, vision, and values, instead of focusing on what their customers value. So for example, with Chick-fil-A, I love Chick-fil-A. Now, my kids love Chick-fil-A actually more than I do, but I love how they look at their customers' values. So if you look at this example, needs, passions, circumstances, motivations, like what are the clients trying to do? The client's progress, their goals and objectives. They're trying to buy food to, in my case, feed my kids. So I'm gonna go get Qdoba or Chipotle or something like that and then I'm gonna get Chick-fil-A for my kids. So I want to give them a meal that they want. So that's a need, a very basic type of need. My passions, when it comes to my loves and my hates, like I hate waiting in line. I hate long drive-through lines. So therefore, Chick-fil-A, they, it's not like they just listened to me, Steve Coffran, but they listened to their clients and they realized this, so what did they do? They retrofitted a lot of their stores with two drive-through lanes. So therefore, they could get customers in and out. There's people taking orders because they understand one of the bottlenecks is the payment processing activity you know, in the drive-through. So that's the bottleneck, so they eliminated that by putting somebody out on the curb to take payments, so when you show up to the window, you just grab your food and go. When it comes to circumstances, the environments, the constraints, the pressures, like I, I want it to be easy to access. I have this pressure of like, I want to feed my kids. I want to do it in a timely manner. Like I have these constraints on budget. I don't want to go out there and spending you know $30 on a casual meal. So Chick-fil-A does a great job um, understanding my circumstances and then motivations, emotional, social, functional. Like I don't want to feed my kids garbage, so I don't want to feed them other fast food that you know is less healthy. Now it's not like Chick Fil A is like the healthiest food out there, but at least I feel a little bit better giving them a, a white chicken breast sandwich for dinner instead of some other type of garbage full of sugars and other chemicals. So therefore. When Chick-fil-A understands my values, what I value as a customer, and when my values align with theirs, then I'm a loyal customer, and I spend a lot of money at Chick-fil-A, I use them all the time, and the same thing could be true for your organization. Now that you understand the concept of customer values, which is really important, like I said, this could be a whole nother episode, and maybe I'll do an episode in the future, you're ready to move on to creating your ideal customer profile. Like I said, too many companies, they get so focused on their own strategies that they ignore the customer. Just yesterday, I was in a meeting for three and a half hours with one of my clients and we talked all about the business, business operations, what's working well, what the future looks like, and it's a really good meeting. And the leader of the meeting, he does such an excellent job. He's very talented, he's a very smart leader and I have a lot of respect for him. It's interesting though, throughout the three and a half hours, I sat there and I wondered how much of this is focused on the customer? In other words, if we had some of our best customers sitting in that meeting with us, would they feel like we're talking to them? Would they feel like we're trying to tackle problems or invest in activities or improve our operating model for them? And that's really what it comes down to. So that's what I wanna talk to you about today in this episode is how do you invest in activities in your business? How do you rearrange or design an operating model? How do you innovate your products and services in order to serve your ideal customer? However, in order to serve your ideal customer, you have to have a framework to follow. So that's what I'm gonna walk you through is how to craft an ICP. Now, it's not about demographics. Demographics may be helpful to understand their age or their income or their geography, whatever you know the attributes are of your customers, but ultimately we're trying to get down to their behavior. So this is what I would recommend. I like PowerPoint because it's easy for me to add squares and boxes and images and just charts and whatnot, but you could create this in Word or Google Docs or whatever tool is your preference. Right now I'm just looking at my PowerPoint file where I built the the same exact thing. So that's what you're gonna wanna do is you, you can write this down, you can build it digitally, whatever suits you well. But here are the main components that you wanna include in your ICP. Now you can add to it, you could take away, but let me just walk you through an example here of the ICP that I created for boosting your financial IQ for one of my streams, okay? Now, most people ask me, and I've wondered myself, can you have multiple ideal customer profiles, because I'm saying ICP singular, and the answer is yes, you can, but if you're an early stage business, or you're just starting out in this process, I would recommend focusing on just one, because for every ideal customer profile that you have, you're gonna have different streams, different programs, different marketing campaigns, different messages, sometimes different websites, sometimes different profit centers, sometimes different entities, and your structure can get really complex very quickly. But when it comes to your ideal customer, if you don't make trade-offs, if you don't say we're gonna do this but we're not gonna do that, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna just be straddling among customers. You're gonna try to serve everybody and you're not gonna do it super well. How do I know all this? Because I've gone down that path multiple times And sometimes I'm still tempted to try to serve more ideal customers than is appropriate. So let me help you to avoid these strategic mistakes that I've made and that I've seen other companies make over and over again. So think of it like this. Let's just say you could serve one type of tea to a customer. Now I don't drink tea, I drink herbal tea, but let's just say I can only make one type of tea for customers. And so then I think of the whole audience of all the tea drinkers and it's like, okay, so I can make hot tea or I can make cold tea because some people like their tea cold. Some people like their tea hot. So how do I serve both sets if I can only create one product? And therefore I decide to blend the two together and make warm tea. Well, imagine that, I serve warm tea out there to my market, to the whole audience, because I want to serve everybody. I want to capture as much market share as I possibly can. Remember, that's a fixed mindset strategy, not an abundance mindset. But let's say I go down that path, I make warm tea, I give it to the people who prefer cold tea, they're gonna be like, what the crap is this? Why is it warm? And then those who like hot tea are gonna be like, ugh, this is gross, it's warm, why isn't it hot? And that's what too many companies try to do, they try to serve everybody, but by doing that, they serve nobody well. Okay. So you have to make trade-offs. Think of Southwest Airlines. They don't offer first class just like United. But if they went to copy United's strategy and offer first class as well, it'd screw up their whole model. Like boarding the plane would take so much longer. Turnaround times on the tarmac would increase, which would increase operating costs and so on and so forth. And it would create all different types of problems. So Southwest says, no, we don't offer first class. We want people to get in line based on their A, B, and C groupings, and then just get on the plane as fast as you can. And that fuels their overall operating model. So identifying your ideal customer, making those trade-offs is gonna be really critical. So here are the components of an ICP. Number one, I just have a section called overview, and this helps me just summarize who my ideal customer profile is. In this example, I'm targeting the p a profit and loss leader in small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs who typically holds senior level positions and are responsible for overseeing a company's revenues, costs, and overall profitability. So that's the example that we're gonna build off of in these sections here, is, is this P&L leader who is responsible for the financial performance of his or hers division, profit center, entity, uh, whatever it may be, their geography, but that's who I'm targeting here, is a P&L leader, very specific. Now, ideal customers, don't always hold a certain title. So don't think you have to identify a particular title in a business. This is just for me, for this example, you know, I'm using the PL leader, which may involve the CFO or maybe the division president or whoever it may be, but it's somebody who has financial responsibility in a company. Don't think you have to define your ideal customer by a title is all I'm trying to say. Now, down below, I have spelled out, here's some common titles, not saying you have to list out titles of your ideal customer, but for me and for my team, titles involve the CEO, general manager, CFO, business owner, director of operations, division or department heads, entrepreneurs and founders, and so on and so forth. These are people who typically have financial responsibility within their organization. So that's the first section I have. It's just an overview section. And then the next section you want to have is your urgent problems you're trying to solve. So I have a headline. It's called Urgent Problems We Are Trying to Solve for this PL Leader. Now, this is where you need to begin with empathy in your strategy design process. Understanding who is your customer, walk in their shoes, sleep in their bed, eat the products, drink the products, use the products that they're using, like live life from their perspective, empathize with them. And then you'll start to understand what are the problems that they have and how can your products and services align to come in to solve those problems. Remember, because we're all trying to make progress, if you could understand what's impeding their progress, what problem are they dealing with, then you could design your products and services to overcome that problem in a really efficient way. Too many companies out there, when I work with startups or even mid-stage or late-stage businesses, I'll ask them, what problem are you trying to solve with their customer? Now, maybe they're already solving that problem with their customer, they just can't articulate it. But being able to articulate it in 20 words or less is really critical. In this example, going back to my example, the P&L leader in small and medium-sized enterprises, they're tasked with solving several urgent problems. So I just listed out a bunch of problems and then I narrowed it down. So let me just list out all the problems that they're dealing with. cash flow management access to capital, cost control, revenue generation, dealing with compliance, talent retention and acquisition, digital transformation, risk management, business growth and scale, and financial acumen. These are 10 problems that they're dealing with. Now, if I try to solve all 10 problems, it could be a bit overwhelming. So instead, what I narrowed down on is financial acumen, these p leaders, they don't have the financial acumen necessary to make decisions in their businesses that really drive value. So they don't understand how to read income statements, balance sheets, statement of cash flows, and that's the problem that I identified. That's the biggest problem that they're facing and that I'm trying to solve. So identify your urgent problem. Yours is going to look completely different. So list that out. The next section that I have it involves the macro trends. In other words, what are the trends that are currently impacting your ideal customer? So in my example here, the current trends that are impacting the P&L leader involve digital transformation. So FinOps, they're digitizing. There's more technologies that are coming into streamline accounting and finance within organizations. There's economic uncertainty. There's sustainability and climate change. There's remote work. There's regulatory changes, increased competition, there's customer expectations. There's all these trends that are impacting my ideal customer. You can list all these things out in a brainstorming session, or you can list them out in your document, but then you're going to want to narrow in. And for me, I'm narrowing in on digital transformation. There's technology, there's artificial intelligence, there's all these tools that are coming into the market. And if you don't have the financial intelligence to understand how to read financial statements, how to understand KPIs and other metrics that are driving value and you're not incorporating those things into technology and artificial intelligence, you're gonna be left behind. So therefore, that's the main trend that I'm focusing on because that combined with economic uncertainty are creating problems for my customers. Moving on to the next section involves triggers. So what are triggers that can prompt your ideal customer to feel the need for buying your product and service. So the trigger may include you know, a job change, a life change. Maybe you deal with customers who need your products and services when they get divorced, or when there's a death, or whatever it may be. When I own my landscape business, the trigger for our customers was some type of liquidity event. So typically these high-end customers who are spending several hundreds of thousands of dollars on their landscaping, they sold a company, they went public, or they had some other type of liquidity event, maybe they got their inheritance or some type of bonus, but some type of liquidity event, more cash in their pocket, led to them seeking out our services, which was designing and building these beautiful landscapes. So you have to figure out, what are the triggers for your customers? So in my example, maybe the trigger is, a p leader just got promoted to a new position, and now all of a sudden they need more financial acumen maybe before they were just in operations but now they're an operations manager and they're in charge of a pnl so they need more financial acumen based on this trigger so identifying the triggers is really helpful the next section involves the old way versus the new way of doing things so you'll want to understand what is the old way for solving your ideal customers problems Okay. What, what were the techniques or the strategies or the products or services that they used in the past, and what's the new way that you are offering to them to help solve their products and services in a more efficient, more innovative way? So for example, in my case, the old way was manual record keeping, a reactive approach, limited financial analysis, focus on profit maximization, siloed financial management, versus the new way, which involves digital transformation, proactive financial planning, data-driven decisions, focus on value creation, not just profit, and integrated financial strategy, like tying strategy and finance together. So when you identify what is the old way of doing it, what's the new way, and hopefully you're on the new way, then you can start empathizing better with your customers and design your operating model and your products and services in a more effective manner. Okay, two more sections. The next section involves statistics in their space. So you're gonna want to identify what are some of the stats out there. And this is gonna go into your marketing messages and your language on your website, but understand what the stats are. For example, here's a stat for my ideal customer. The study revealed that 82% of small businesses fail due to poor cash flow management skills or limited understanding of cash flow, 82%. All right, so that's crazy. So I use that stat and I communicate that in my messaging or I use that to empathize better with my customers so I can focus my products and services on this statistic, on the problem that they're dealing with. Okay, the last section involves the impending doom if they fail to act. So you're gonna wanna identify what happens if your customers don't do anything. What if they don't use your products and services? What will happen? And if you don't have a compelling case here, it's gonna be really hard to sell your products and services, because otherwise, people just fall into the trap of complacency. So this is what you're gonna to wanna to overcome. So those are the main sections of my ideal customer profile. You can add additional sections, but just start with this as a basic outline. So let me go through these sections again for you, real quick, so you can capture the essence of an ideal customer profile. The first section involves the overview. Just list out who is your ideal customer profile, Summarize all these things that you captured in these other sections that I'm about to explain. The next section is urgent problems you're trying to solve. Then we move on to macro trends. What are the macro trends impacting your ideal customer? What are the triggers that compel your customer to go out there and buy your products and services to engage with your company? What's the old way of doing it versus the new way? And then finally, you have statistics in their space and the impending doom if they fail to act. If you can identify and build out these sections of your ideal customer profile, you're gonna be in a great spot, and you're gonna be ahead of like 95% of the companies out there that don't put in the effort to identify this, and they just go out and try to serve everybody. But when you do that, trust me, you're gonna just be an average company, and you're just gonna be playing to play. I don't want you to play to play, I want you to play to win, and this is how you do it. So this is how I help companies in their strategy process. I help them with their ideal customer profile because it sounds easy, But you'll start getting into the mechanics of this and you'll realize there are a lot of nuances. When you get into this process, if you need help, my company can help you with this. You can reach out, cultivar.com is my consulting firm, cultivar.com. Go to the website, you can connect with us there. You can also shoot me an email, scoffrin at cultivar.com if you want some help there. But just, yeah, connect on the platform. That's probably the easiest thing to do when it comes to your ideal customer profile. I can tell you, if I'm gonna invest in any company, I'm gonna ask them for their ideal customer profile from the get-go. When I go to a company's website or I look at their promotional materials, I can tell whether or not they have an ideal customer profile built out or not because if they don't, they're gonna be all over the place or they're gonna be talking about themselves, their company's values, what they're all about. They're gonna say, yeah, we started in 1990, we have this many employees, You know, we do this much revenue, me, 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 all about the company instead of, crafting their messages all about the customer. What are their customers dealing with? Like speak their language, make sure your website and your promotional materials convey that. You wanna be all about your customer. When you're having a meeting, maybe put an empty chair in the room to signify this is our customer. This is our customer listening to our meeting. And if we're not talking about ways to improve the customer experience, to deliver more innovative, better products for our customer. Like if you continue to go down that path and you don't focus on your customer, you will work your way out of business, I guarantee you. Okay, so that's what I wanted to cover today in the Ideal Customer Profile. Reach out if you need help. If you need help building your strategy, that's what we do all the time at my company. Reach out, I'd love to help you or just start a conversation. And I wish you the very best as you go out there and you put in the effort to identify who your ideal customer profile is, build this out, distribute it among your teams, and it's going to create so much clarity and so much alignment. The best of luck. Have a great week. And until next episode, cheers. Hey, real quick. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have business questions and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me an email at contact at cultivar.com and either type out your question or send a video or voice recording stating your name, your location, and what's on your mind. If you want to increase your financial intelligence, be sure to check out my other podcast called Boosting Your Financial IQ. All right, you have new knowledge, go out there and execute. And until next time, cheers.